Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Gay Men Going Deeper. This is a podcast about personal development, mental health, and sexuality. Today, I'm your host. My name is Michael Diario. I am a life and wellness coach, and I specialize in helping gay men build authentic self-confidence from the inside out. I work mainly with gay men on the topics of sexuality, dating, and relationships. Today, I am joined by a very special guest. Uh, Dr. Hector Rodriguez is here. He is a psychiatrist based in Miami who also works with many gay men. Today, guys, we're going to be talking about something called shiny object syndrome. And if you don't know what that is, by the time we start talking about it, you will definitely start recognizing it within yourself and within others. So how this episode came to be is Hector and I actually connected on Instagram. Um, he shared, the first time I actually remember you, Hector, is you shared one of my reels many months ago. I think it was the one mm -hmm. about judgment, maybe. And we got to chatting uh, in the DMs, and we connected very quickly over our shared passion and our work with gay men specifically. So Dr. Hector, go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience here. Well, you did a, actually a really good job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'm Dr. Hector. And uh, I work in Miami, Florida. I'm a psychiatrist. And yeah, I, I work mainly with um, in the LGBTQ community, but uh, mostly gay men in Miami. Um, I do have, um, you know, other people that are not gay, um, but I have that niche. Um, and it's kind of nice. Um, a lot of it is mainly because I work with the younger adult kind of group, like 18 to 25. Um, I do have some that are in their 30s. I'm um, in a few in the forties, but um, yeah, that's what I do now. And, and I love it. Yeah. It's definitely a, a lot of fun, even though it's got its challenges, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So today we're talking about shiny object syndrome and um, I want to quickly go over what the definition is and then we can jump into our, our questions. So at its most basic shiny object syndrome is the tendency to chase after things that are new and exciting. And this makes sense because when something seems new and exciting, it gives us that temporary hit of dopamine and that motivates us to seek more and more of that thing. So nothing is really wrong there. It does become an issue though, when we get stuck in that loop of habitually and even compulsively seeking these shiny new objects. So something that we see a lot is on social media and on dating apps, it certainly makes this pattern a lot easier to fall into because they are literally designed to continually give us that hit of dopamine over and over and over. And over time, what could happen is it could lead to a sense of overwhelm. Uh, and moreover, what I see a lot of is it distracts people from the things that are right in front of them, the opportunities that are right in front of them. Um, so let me give you an example. Let's say you're using an app like Tinder. And instead of maybe going through the matches you've already made or continuing to chat with someone you've already matched with, what you might feel the urge to do is start swiping again. And that is a little bit of the shiny object syndrome at play because it's more exciting to swipe for someone new, even though you already have potentially many options already or many matches already there. So that's an example of it. And we'll talk more about that later, but um, keep in mind that shiny object syndrome does not only affect gay men, it affects everybody. It shows up in many areas of life, including personal goals, uh, career, self-development. But today I really wanna focus the discussion specifically on uh, how Dr. Hector and I have seen this show up with gay men specifically. So that being said, Dr. Hector, let's hear from you. In your experience, how have you seen this shiny object syndrome present itself within the gay community with gay men specifically? So I've seen it um, in, in pretty much how it's kind of governing their lives, which is really scary. Um, and that's when, when we started talking about it, it was like, I, I mean, this is a topic we have to talk about. And I don't know um, how many people are talking about it because it's like so in your face, you know, I'm like, I see it all the time. Um, which I've, I also see how that can lead to um, a lot of guys having um, struggles, not just in their career, but also in their relationship and even how they view themselves, um, which is this constant like desire to like find that next spark, that next thing, that next shiny object, that whatever that might be. Um, so, so I see it. I see it with all the struggles that they come with, even from like the very first assessment like they're the problem that they come with, you know, they'll share it with me. They're like, Oh, this is the issue that I'm having. And it kind of all boils down to this, you know, like one that comes to mind is I have a, a patient who um, 
you know, very successful. And I think we talked a little bit about him um, the other day, very successful um, in his career and uh, has a hard time finding um, a partner. Um, and not that that means anything, but I think in, in our culture today, we value how someone looks a lot. We value their career, um, what they bring to the table, right? Um, so you would think that someone like him, based on, on those kind of expectations, like he would just be able to have like, you know, someone like really, really quickly. But his desire for like this perfect guy, you know, who's going to like be that, you know, um, that amazing person, um, it's, it's non-existent, you know, he has a hard time finding that person. Why? Because of, like you said, one of the main reasons is, unfortunately, is, you know, this constant hunt through, through dating apps. Yeah, they're there, they're fun um, to some extent, but if you're trying to find something meaningful and substantial, um, it's really, really, really hard because you get into this like quick mode of who's next. Oh, but that one's better. Oh, but that one's better. Oh, but this other one, you know? So he's having a hard time finding a a true, true um, connection with someone because he's just waiting for the next best thing, you know? So I do see that every single day, (laughs) which is scary. Yeah. I think that's why, you know, that's obviously the reason why we wanted to have this discussion to bring light to the fact so that people can see, oh, wait a minute, am I doing this a little bit in my life? Um, And then we can talk a little bit later about, you know, how you can recognize it and what you can do to uh, overcome that. Um, I definitely see that as well in dating apps. It's definitely one of the top things that people will present to me is they find dating apps exhausting and um, it's an emotional roller coaster and they're not finding people. But then once we start to open up with some questions, it turns out they are making a lot of matches on whatever app they're on, but there's a block where they're not going further. That's very surface level. Mm-hmm. Um, another, another, area I see this in with apps is not only just collecting matches, but the shiny object of a dick pic or an X pic, mm-hmm. right? Once people yeah. they'll, they'll go on these apps and once they get that picture that they want and do whatever they want with it, that that person's gone, right? They're pretty much yeah. check mark, move on to the next one. And so we're treating humans and their genitals as shiny objects. And once we have one, we're on to the next. Um, another area is serial dating. So maybe after the first date, which is fun and exciting, you get to know them. The third date, things start to you know lose their shine or, or lose that uh, spark. And then they're just constantly going on first dates and second dates, but never getting to know someone. And in some cases, of course, there's just not a match. But I think in some cases, there might be a match, but we just don't want to uh, go a little further because perhaps there's some fear there. What do you think about yeah. that? And I think a lot of it is, yeah, you know, when you first meet someone, yeah, you get excited. It's someone new, right? It's that new shiny, you know, smell that, that how they look, you're like, oh, but then you start to get to know them a little bit more and you're like, uh, okay. So then, but it's not that it's like, oh, they, they, they're missing something or, or like you said, maybe, yeah, some people is not a match. But I feel that part of it is that once that new shiny smell goes away, which could go away quickly when you, you know, when you get to know someone then and they actually open up for real, um, then they don't want to work out the issues or they don't want to work out those differences. And it's like, that's okay. That's part of the, the, the mating process. That's part of getting to know someone, um, you know, that, that feeling that you get is going to go away, but it's not necessarily a bad thing. And that's, I think the struggle that a lot of gay men have today is that because they are used to that instant gratification, they want to keep it um, alive um, every single day. And, um, and, and it's, you know, they fail to want to work out what they don't like about the other person or like, Oh wait, you think differently than me in this area. Well, let's talk about it. Let's find out how, we can still make it work, you know, because I like you or I don't know, whatever, but they fail to want to work out those differences. Um, that's another thing that I see a lot. Um, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Which very is- well said. Uh, I think there's a lot of fear involved there, like, you know, fear of having a conversation, maybe that's not light and fluffy all the time, uh, fear of getting to know someone or fear of someone getting to know you truly getting to know you that's that's scary being vulnerable Um, and then there is that underlying belief 
as soon as things get even just a little tough, right? In that example, like you said earlier, it's like, oh, it's just easier for me to just go find someone else. And there's this false belief that someone is just going to show up. And I, I don't know anyone who this has happened to, who, you know, after a few dates, they're, they're, they lose that shine. It's very natural. But as long as we think that we're going to find someone and it's always going to be new and exciting and shiny and rosy for the entire length of the relationship, you're never going to end up finding that person that, if that's what you want to, to settle down with and actually build a meaningful, long-term sustainable relationship with. So that belief, I think has people constantly searching and it, it doesn't help of course, when you go on Instagram and there's shiny objects all over the place, everywhere. Right. (laughs) And, and, and I think like, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about in the, the romantic relationship, but you can even put that into like a friendship, Mm -hmm. you know, it's that once that friend that you're trying to get to know, you're excited because you're hanging out with them, um, maybe says something that just kind of, you know, doesn't really go with your core values or it doesn't really go with something, you you know, there's just so used to missing that or not wanting to lose, not wanting to lose that shiny thing that they're like, okay, no, on to the next friend, you know? So then you don't have, what I think is happening is that we're becoming more and more lonely. Um, and as gay men, um, less and less connections, which if, if you look around, we should be able to have way more connections and way more like, cause we're, you know, let's face it. We are way more accepting than we were 50, 60 years ago in the kind of lifestyles that we're living today. So it's like, we're, we're regressing as opposed mm. to taking advantage of the fact that we should be able to talk about anything with, with new gay friends, you know? So yeah, it, there's the area of romantic relationships, but I also see it in the areas of friendships. So then you have a lot of people that just don't bring down that, that guard to open up, like you said, allowing someone to get to know me. Yeah. I have to put my guard down and not be so shiny yeah. <laughs> or, or appear to be shiny. So yeah. then they yeah. will like me. There's a link with perfectionism that I want to talk about because it's like, you know, in, in both ways, you know, I, I'm obviously not perfect, but maybe we want to present as perfect because we're seeing all these other shiny objects and we feel like we don't live up to it. So we don't want to let people in perhaps because, um, you know, I don't want them to see that I'm actually a deeply flawed individual, but surprise, we all have our flaws. And then on the other side of it is expecting perfection from others as well, perhaps. So Tell me a little bit about that link. Uh, what do you see between perfectionism and shiny object syndrome? I think it goes down to, um, yeah, like the desire to be perfect. Um, but then also it's the, the, the competition. I think mm-hmm. um, I see it more of, of a competitive thing. You know, I recently read an article about the alpha gaze. And it like literally blew my mind because I was like, yes, that is totally like a, a class. There's a group of them, you know, and um, and I think a lot of it is very cutthroat and very competitive kind of mentality. So like you have people that, you know, yeah, they want to raise the bar for themselves. But then at the same time, they're they're wanting anyone who's around them to also be at their level or otherwise I'm not going to talk to you. Right. Mm. So so they have that. Um, competitive nature, which I feel it still isolates us and, and puts you away from, from making meaningful, meaningful connections with someone and really getting to know someone. Because just like you said, we're not perfect. None of us are. We can thrive to like work harder and be better human beings and, and be better, you know, husbands, boyfriends, friends, whatever to, to someone else. But why compete? Why do I have to be the better friend or why do I have to, you know, so I do feel that the perfection issue that comes with this um, with, yeah, it boils down to the shiny object syndrome. Like I want to still be shiny. I want to be shiny as much as I can, because whoever comes to meet me next, I want them to see how perfect I am. But I think it boils down to a competitive thing. You know, I want them to see me as that. Why? Because then another person might not be that. So that's why that's going to attract them to me. So it's, it's crazy, you know, mm. and, and it's also very exhausting. Um, so it gets to the point where the person, which that's when sometimes I see them, they're just exhausted, super anxious, super depressed, alone. Um, and then they're like, fuck, like, what, 
this is not the life I want. And I'm like, well, why are you there? Why are you in that corner? Why are you cornering yourself to be in a, in a level and, and, and for, for what, what is the purpose? So I, it's, it's really challenging. Um, and then it's also challenging when the person doesn't see it, you know, like I have a patient that they will talk to me and they're like, but I have to be like this. And I'm like, Hmm, why, who told you this? You know? So, so I do see a lot of the perfection thrive and like wanting to, you know, um, to be amazing. Right. Um, but I, I think it boils down to being, um, very competitive, um, with other, other gays, other people. Yeah. I mean, it's social media. It's all a competition. At least I see it. Yeah. Yeah. I see <laughs> I that could be wrong. Well. I could be wrong. <laughs> I'm curious about this article. So send it to me later and I'll can put it in the yeah, show notes for this episode. Yeah. I think it was the New York times. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think that's very much a, a, a stereotypically masculine trait is competitiveness, right? We see this in, mm-hmm. in the straight world, but just as much yeah. in the gay world, just in a very different way, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. I think it's really strong in, in the gay world. I think people don't... Oh, we're cutthroat. <laughs> we are cutthroat. We're cutthroat, you yeah. know? Um, I always tell my... <laughs> I always tell some of my, my co-workers, I'm like, you know how that song, Women Run the World? I'm like, no, gays run the world. <laughs> because we're like, like you know, um, and, and you know, I mean, we, we get... I, I get called all the time the the power couple, power throttle now, you know? And it's like, why? Why are you viewing me like that? Why are you putting me in that pedestal? Bring me down, you know? But I think it boils down to that. It's like how they view your life, being successful, doing this, doing that. Why why are you putting... But it goes down to that, being competitive. Um, And it's not... I don't think it's healthy, to be honest. No, I mean, I think there's a, there's a healthy competition, of course, but then there's a, a competition where when you're putting other people on a pedestal at the expense of your own self, that mm-hmm. obviously is going to have a huge effect on your self-image, self-esteem, and self-worth. Um, you know, that I see that as well, right? People putting these, these gay men, alpha, alpha gays, if that's what you want to call them, or even couples on a pedestal. Because of course, if, if all you're seeing, I'll talk about my relationship specifically, I tell people, if all you see is my relationship on Instagram, you're going to think it's perfect, but trust and believe we are not perfect. We have arguments, we have conflict, we drive each other crazy sometimes, just like any other couple. But if, if you're seeing us on Instagram and just telling yourself a story, oh, look, they're always happy and they're always in love and you know everything's great all the time, don't tell yourself that story because it's just it's not true for anyone, not just my relationship, but I don't know anyone who is perfect and I've yet to see a perfect quote unquote relationship. No. Um, at the end of the day, these things don't solve external things, relationships, a lot of money, admiration, popularity, followers, career success. These are all external things and external things do not solve internal problems. We still have bad days. We still have challenges, albeit different ones, right? I tell my my clients who are exasperated with being single that, oh, you know, they'll say, once I have a boyfriend, all these problems will go away. I'll say, yeah, but then you're going to have a bunch of new ones. You're going to have all these new exactly. problems. And the ones that you have now are going to be made, they're going to be exacerbated, right? Because if you have insecurity now, a partner is probably going to trigger out insecurities you don't have, you know, and you're still going to feel lonely. You're still going to feel lonely. It's okay and very common to feel lonely, even in a relationship from time to time. You're still going to have insecurity. People are still going to judge you. They're going to judge you for being single. Then they're going to judge you for being in a relationship because you're going to do it wrong. <laughs> exactly. So all of these things, it, it doesn't it doesn't change the fact that you're still left with being a human at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and but it's so hard for at least it's been hard for me to to shape them up so they can see that, you know, mm. um, that it's like, you're, you're, you're driving yourself to a level of perfection that first of all, doesn't exist. It's good to have aspirations and be, and then thrive and like work hard. I'm not, don't get me wrong. Like I am, I work hard, but if that is my reason for living and that is the only thing I talk about, or that is the only thing that people know me for, then really like no you know that's not what life is all about in my opinion like you just said about you know what people see on instagram your relationship and then in real life too it's like yeah what they see on instagram is a slither of yeah you are those people too but that's not the whole picture you know literally like you know it's not the whole picture and having those 
those issues and having um, the arguments and having the, the insecurities being pulled out from your partner is good too. It's part of the relationship. It's part of growth. It's part of, you know, if I see something that, that I'm like, crap, I didn't think I was insecure in that area. Well, now I can work on it because I wasn't made aware um, until this happened. You know, I don't know. Like there, there's many ways of looking at, at these other um, issues that even when you see them as bad, it's okay. You got to work them through. If, if you, if, you know, the person wants to. So I think part of the, the, the shiny object syndrome too, is the fact that they don't want to face those uncomfortable feelings of, yeah, that's an insecurity that I have to work on. It's okay. We all have them, Yeah, you know? Um, and, and I think having that in, in a, in a relationship um, is a good thing too. Um, I mean, to some extent, right. You don't want the person to be, you know, bullying you for making you feel mm-hmm. worse for having them. But if you are able to see them and they're able to pull them out, out of you, then, and then you can work on it. That's part of the relationship and also the relationship becoming deeper and, and, and with stronger roots because you're able to work through something together. Um, it's just, it's easier said than done. And it sounds super great, but that's not what people are posting on Instagram. <laughs> no, of course not. Yeah. Nobody yeah. wants to post that the the arguments or the the other things but um i think you know to be able to make a real connection with someone you have to be able to pass pass this um the syndrome honestly and actually go deeper yeah it's it's almost as if the there's two ways that i'm trying to think of like making uh-huh. making this make sense to me is one is we're shiny despite or including our flaws like you're still that doesn't take away from your shininess right yeah. so i think it doesn't mean that you're not you're either shiny and perfect or ideal in one way but then in these other ways oh i'm going to hide those away from the world i think those things that you know might be your flaws or might be your perceived flaws when you actually embrace them and work on them and then like bring them out into the world there are going to be people who find that endearing and 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 humble and beautiful um you know i think of um what's his name milo ventimiglia uh, the lead character on this is us uh-huh yeah so he talked uh, about having he has a crooked smile and i would say like most people think that he's a dreamboat but he thought that his smile was flawed because it was crooked yeah. and everyone else had a nice even smile and so that's a great example of something that you might want to hide and say oh i'm going to this is a cause for shame for me. But in fact, if you embrace it and you own it, it could be something that's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I, and I feel once, um, you know, gay men are able to see this and be able to identify this kind of syndrome and how it's actually not, not really helping um, them moving forward. I think they'll be able to actually, um, you know, have stronger relationships with not just other people, but with themselves. I think once you're able to see that, what you just finished saying, right, that, you know, I have, I am shiny anyways, even though I have my, my imperfections, um, then you're able to accept and love yourself first, too, before you can even, you know, RuPaul says it all the time, <laughs> right, you have to love yourself first. And, and, and I can't agree with her more, because, like, I think, you know, you're not able to, to pass that, if, if, if you don't really work on this, um, you're always going to be bringing up the, this perfection bar for, for any area in your life. Um, and it's, you know, it's detrimental. Um, so I don't know. That's my thought about that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk more about that, about the self-worth aspect of it. So when we are living in this pattern of, of shiny object syndrome and perfectionism, uh, both within and externally, how do you see that affect um, people's self sense of self and self-worth? Oh my gosh. It's, it's a constant anxiety. Mm. That's how I see it. Um, when I see the symptoms come out, um, they're usually going to come to us for anxious, like just kind of, um, you know, they're overworked, they're over um, stressed out. Um, so they have this heightened level of, of anxiety so then once you actually like find out more, um, it's because their, their self-esteem, their self-worth is, is in the ground. Um, so that's why they have this constant need to, to impress, to, to be, to work. And then you see them at the gym, like, you know, 
countless hours and then they're still not satisfied. Um, and it's like, you know, it, it's good to take care of your body, to be healthy, to, you know, to do everything that you can. But once I see it, that it's like this, this extreme um, thing, you're like, hmm, there's something going on here. Um, and there usually tends to be a really low self-esteem. So one of the things that I always remember, um, so before I was, a, I was a doctor and a psychiatrist, I was a fashion photographer. And I remember one of my photo shoots, one of the last photo shoots that I did was for, um, it was for a jewelry campaign and it was all beauty shots. Like these beautiful, I mean, the girls were beautiful because it's literally a beauty shot. I mean, it's head, right? Their bodies are nice, but their head is like these beautiful women. And this one girl, I think she was like 17. Um, and, and just like so you were saying about the smile. So I'm taking pictures of her. Everybody, the client is like, oh my God, this girl is so beautiful. She should be on the, on the main girl for the campaign. Well, the whole time she just wasn't like on. She wasn't like really, you know, doing what we saw in the casting. And I'm like, I had to pull her aside. I'm like, hey, are you okay? There's something going on. That's how, when I started knowing that I'm like, I'm going to go into psychiatry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was doing more psychiatry than like being a photographer. And, um, and I'm talking to her and she's like, no, I just don't, you know, my boyfriend broke up with me and she was just really down because her boyfriend left her and she felt ugly. And I'm like, huh, you like, but if the person doesn't see it, it, you know, you could be the most beautiful man, woman in the world. If they don't see it for themselves, it's garbage. You know, it doesn't matter. They, they don't have that. So that day her self-esteem self-worth was in the ground and you can see it you were able to see it through the images that she wasn't you know she had her makeup on she had her jewelry it was beautiful but it wasn't like she was missing something and that's what she was going through and then later on talking to her she was telling me how how she has always felt that she was the ugly um sister because her sister is also pretty blah 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 and you're like what is going on but it's that is their self-image, their self-worth, is how, you know, if, if the person could be the most beautiful, but they don't see it. And sometimes you don't have to be, you know, we consider beauty, right? And in, in the standards of our society, but if you don't see it, or, or, or the opposite, if you do see it, it's, it's a whole different person, you know, how, how they react with other people, how they communicate, how they carry themselves, is a whole different, is a whole different ballgame. So, I do see it when they have, and, and it comes, it translates with anxiety, like big time, big time anxiety, constantly trying to get to this level of perfection because they don't see that in themselves. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's sad. It's scary. Um, because I see it a lot within the gay men, especially the younger ones. And they get to the, to the point of thinking about suicide. Um, and that's when you're like, what? <laughs> what is going on? No. And, and they, they require a lot of therapy, mm-hmm. um, a lot of, you know, self-building and self, um, gratification. I think a lot of it comes with, with our upbringing a little bit. Um, you know, if you're constantly being told that you're not X, Y, Z, you're going to start believing it. And I think the same thing happens if you do the opposite. If you do tell yourself that you are X, Y, Z, um, which I will leave a lot of it, you know, in the morning affirmations and things like that, because they're, they're very, very good. They're very important with how, how we talk about, how we talk about ourselves and how we talk to ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it all ties in, but bringing one person from that to that arena of, of increased self-worth, it's, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah, it absolutely is. And it's, it's something that is a, a long journey, I think for, at least for me, it was, I, and I a hundred percent agree with what you said, uh, Dr. Hector about the way you talk to yourself for me has been a game changer, right? So when I, you know, when I realized that the way I talk to myself is a choice, right? I get to decide how I talk to myself. Just like if my friend came up to me and started cussing at me, mm-hmm. I would be like, what the fuck? Don't talk to me like that. Like I would stand up for myself. Like, don't you don't talk to me like that. I do the same thing with my own inner critic sometimes. Yeah. And I think you have to do that. You have to be like, okay, wait, these are all just conditional messages mm-hmm. that I've picked up from the past. And mm-hmm. is it useful to me in the future? Is it where I'm going? No. Well, then you can start to shift it. But it's it's a very meta skill to like get into your own mind. And I know you could appreciate this. So it is hard, I think, uh, to your point, to get people to shift it and really realize how am I talking to myself? 
what are what is my opinion of my looks, my my skills, my talents, and am I shrinking from it or am I showing up in the world with this expansive here I am flaws and all authentically all the good all the not so good you know take it or leave it kind of thing and the right people will take it even with the flaws. oh my gosh yes big time I think and, and also having the right people around you telling you those things yeah like I think for my personal like personally I've had that um happen to me and within the last couple of years where um, I've surrounded myself with people that that's what they're doing, you know? And I think for a long time, my self-esteem was, was very low as an adolescent. I, I struggled um, with my, my image, with how, um, how I wanted people to view me, which I think any adolescent has that, that, that struggle. But then being a gay adolescent, I feel that there's more that we have to prove to the world um, and sometimes to prove to our parents that we're like the, the perfect child that, that they thought it was going to be straight and all this stuff. And then now you like, you know, are no longer following what they had for you. So then you kind of feel that like burden, like if you did something bad, right. So I think we have that too, kind of like back there pushing us down, but, but I, you know, if we surround ourselves with the right people that, that are bringing us up um, and then exactly like you could have said it better, like how you talk to yourself, um, Sometimes we have to stand up to ourselves, but from ourselves. Yeah, I do it all <laughs> <You know>? the time. <laughs> to this day, I'll put yeah. something up like, oh, you idiot. Why did you say it like that? I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, and it's like, Stop no, this. you're not an idiot. Yeah, yeah. You that. All the time. Yeah. The work, the work never ends. No, um, let's talk a little bit, little bit then about the impact on relationships. So we talked about the impact on our sense of self. So um, I talked in the beginning about dating apps and so uh, not wanting to connect with a match or go deeper after the second or third date. And when I've dug into why not, right? Sometimes there's just not a connection or there's a legitimate reason there was a red flag, whatever. Fine. I'm not talking about those, those instances. There is a deep fear I find of taking initiative. And if you dig deeper, the fear there is rejection. I don't want to go deeper because if I show myself, there's that thing, oh, they're going to see that I'm flawed or they're going to you know, the, the jig is up. <laughs> I'm not the shiny Instagram model that you thought I was, right? Uh, and they don't want people to see that. Uh, so there's this fear of being seen, fear of being vulnerable, uh, fear of rejection, all these things that are the core of true intimacy, which is being authentically seen for, for who you are. It's so much easier then to not go down that door, door number one, and instead just continually distract ourselves with swiping. Who else is out there? Let's let's see if we can find more shiny objects. Let's see if we can collect more matches. I, I like to use the word collect. That's what people do, I think, yeah. is they collect these matches maybe to feel good about themselves. But um, these are all just surface level matches, right? It's, it's a lot easier to do that than it is to truly get to know someone and start to expose a little bit more of yourself to them and then you know, yes, it opens up, it opens you up for rejection, of course. So what I see people do is, is um, I want to keep my options open. I love that. Yeah. I'm just going to keep my I options open. That phrase. Right? <laughs> yeah, they tell me I really want to, I really want a connection. Like they'll tell me right. in, in our consult, oh, I'm really looking for that one special person, but their dating profile, I'll be like, okay, show me your, show me your grinder, whatever. Right. Looking around, keeping my options open. I'm like, girl, that's not what you told yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Which one is it? What do you want? Right. Yeah. yeah, if you're keeping your options open, go for it. Have fun. Have yeah, all the fun. Right. So be it. But if you tell me in private and you're paying me to help you with this, then you should at least be telling the people out there that you want that as well. So the result is, we know, we have this entire population of gay men who are just very detached um, from each other. Yet they want the connection, but there's this block. And so we, we treat people like these disposable objects uh, once we get that dopamine head of their attention, oh, you like me? We matched? Cool. Awesome. Check. You know, self-worth check. Let's go on to the next one. What else is there? And we would just constantly feed, I'm talking specifically with dating apps here, uh, constantly feed our, our, our sense of self-esteem with these temporary dopamine hits that just don't last. And mm-hmm. all it is is an ego boost, right? Yeah. I mean... And the ego boost, everybody likes the ego boost. Of course, yes. Yeah, like, it feels great. Yeah. But it, because of that, right? It triggers that pleasure center in our brain that we we like and, and we want to always be looking for that. 
Um, but I think back, to, I kind of want to talk about the what you talked about intimacy and something that, I mean, I can agree with you more. Um, and I think as, as sexually open that gay men are, um, they're not intimate at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And there's, there's a huge difference. And I know, you know, yeah. uh, but I think a lot of people don't view it like that. They're like, oh, but I'm sleeping with someone. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're sleeping. We're having sex with them. You're not do they even know, you know, what is your favorite color? I mean, I don't know to sound like cheesy, but they're, they're not willing to really open up to someone um, to be intimate and, and being intimate sometimes is literally sharing, um, sharing your, your shortcomings, sharing your, um, the things that, that you don't like about yourself, that maybe if you would share them, they would actually see that as a beautiful thing. And then, they will be able to help you and be like, no, that's beautiful. What are you talking about? And then you, you know what I'm saying? So not allowing yourself to be open up and to be vulnerable. I love that word. I I tell them to my partners all the time, like we have to be vulnerable, bring down the guard, bring down the wall. Let's, you know, because that's the only way we're going to grow and we're going to be able to really get to know each other. Um, If we don't do that, you know, all the sex is fun, but it's going to get to the point that sex is not going to be fun anymore because you need to cross that barrier of intimacy. And just because you're naked with someone doesn't mean that you are naked with them, that, that you are opened up and intimate. Um, and, and I think a lot of people fail to do that. Um, so yeah, they go to the first and second date. And what do they do in the first and second date? We all know what they do on the first <laughs> and second date, but then that's it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, yeah, because the next step is going a little deeper and yeah. getting to know them and getting to know each other. Um, and in the collecting of, of pictures, oh my gosh, I have so many friends that they literally have a folder of like, you know, dick pics. And you're yeah. like, do you even know who that is? Does it even matter? Like, why are you collecting them? You yeah. know, it, and, and it's funny because it all kind of ties in because it's also competitive, you know, like look how many whatever I got or look how many likes I got or how many views I got on whatever, you know, posts I did. And it's like, okay what did that do for you was it lifelong changes in your life or was it just like literally two seconds of pleasure um and feeling a little bit good and not actually working on what we need to work on which is something that is a lot stronger than 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 a swipe and a like and a and a little tap on yeah. the screen you and know a pick and a pick yeah it happens. It's, it's very common, but the intimacy, it's something that we are failing to do. Um, and I think with legalizing gay marriage, with um, being able to have a lot of the things that straight couples were able to have before, now we can have it. Why are we not having it? Mm-hmm. You know, for a long time is what, you know, our, our day, our gay fathers, <laughs> right we're fighting for to have that equality. Okay, well, here we are. What are we doing with it? Collecting yeah. tickets. That's what we're doing. Because I think we're failing to, to grow and to be intimate with someone. And, and yeah, that's, that's part of it. You know, how are you going to marry someone or, or if that's what you're looking for or and have kids or whatever, you know, that normalization of, of our lifestyle um, and those standards, at least. Um, what are we doing with it? Yeah. And you can have it all. I think that's the great thing that of I love course. about being a gay man is you can still have all the fun, yeah. right? Like we get to decide what marriage means for us. I know. Isn't that that's, great? That's great. I think it's the, that, that's that's the fun of life, right? Um, we don't have to hide about it. No, it's, and it can be whatever yeah. we want. Yeah. Yeah. But um, I, think, I think people are failing to make those true connections because of, because of this. Um, you know, it's... The shiny object, um, it's not being able to open up and, and bring down the, the barrier. And, and you see it, at least in Miami, you see it all the time. Um, and it's this superficial friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that they, they turn into, what can you do for me? Or what can you give me? Um, it's not, and it's not always sex. It could just be your status in, in whatever, you know, social Are you status. In Soho house? Do you yeah. go to Soho? No, I don't go to Soho house. Okay. Then forget it. Oh, that's and the thing like, here too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, and it's this, you know, it's this thing for perfection, very competitive. Um, 
and I'm making real, real collect connections with people. And, and that's where the Instagram thing comes in too, right? We just had pride here. So who's tagged in your photo apparently is a very uh-huh. good deal. Like, oh, oh he was with so-and-so oh. at that <laughs> event. And I'm like, who gives a bibble? Who was I tagged know. in whose photo? And like, I heard people in the bathroom like, oh, make sure you tag me, la, 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 la. Yeah, like, not know. because they want to be tagged, but because they want to be seen with this right. person with at you this or party. whatever. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because recently since, you know, we've, we've now been a throuple, um, now a bunch of people that before, you know, people that we knew, um, were just, you know, I guess we fell off the radar. Now we got back on the radar. Right. So then I'll get that like, Oh, so I'll get a DM from so-and-so also oh, so-and-so was in your house. Oh, but why I didn't get the invitation. And I'm like, I haven't spoken to you in two years. <laughs> like, you know, but they, they now turn into into that you know like yeah who who is in your picture and who is that and why they're in your house and and this competitive thing about friendships too and it's like can we make it a little bit more i don't know healthy deeper deeper yeah um real connection and that's what people crave too. I think a lot, not, not everybody, you know, at the beginning, you said not everyone can say it or they're ready for it. And that's fine. You know, everyone's on their own journey, but I do think there are a lot of people who secretly maybe in the closet want these deeper connections because they're not satisfied with their Instagram surface level connections. And that's how they find me and potentially how they find you or potentially even find this podcast. Yeah. I think there is a craving out there. And I just don't think a lot of people don't know how, um, and vulnerability is the answer. And I think, you know, we talk about that a lot on this podcast for very good reason. And one thing I want to say about vulnerability as well is, uh, you know, you had mentioned it with your partners. Um, in any case, I think when one person takes that courageous first step to share and be vulnerable, it gives permission to the other people to do the same. Yeah. I've been on the other side of it where my partner has shared something first and I mm-hmm. saw him like, he's like, oh, I don't like, I, he said, this is a vulnerable moment. I really don't want to share this. And he'd say like, everything in my brain is saying, don't share this. And then he <laughs> shares it and he feels the relief, fear and relief. And all yeah. of a sudden I'm like, oh my God. Okay. I'm so happy you told me that because now I'm going to tell you this. And then I have my share and we just connect deeper. And again, this doesn't have to be in a romantic sense. It could be in any sense. So when you have that courage, it does open up doors for those meaningful connections that people do crave. And I think it starts with that. I mean, obviously, it starts with someone has to give. Someone has to say, okay, I'm going to put down the wall. Um, but there has to be a desire to, to even go there. Um, the thing is, how do we teach people to have that desire? Well, this will be the end product, you know? Yeah. If you have the desire to bring your walls down and be vulnerable, well, the end product is you're going to have stronger and deeper relationships with all kinds of people not just your, your partner, but your friends and your family, whoever, you know? And, and I think, um, I, I learned that a lot from, from my husband. Um, he, he is very like go and like, Hey, let's go say hi to so-and-so. I'm like, I don't know them. Why am I going to go talk to them? <laughs> you know? Um, and I remember when we, we lived in Chicago, um, we were brand new. We didn't know anybody. So he's like, we went out to like bars in Boys Town. And then he's like, well, let's just go and talk to that guy. I'm like, why? He's going to like be weird. But again, those are my insecurities. Yeah. Uh, in the past, when I would go up to someone, they would shut me down because that's, you know, those were my experiences. So in my head, I was going to bring that into that time thinking like, oh, this is going to happen again. You know, I'm also going to get rejected or shut down. So then it's those fears that keep us from bringing our wall down and be like, okay, this is not going to happen every single time. This is not an absolute rule, you know? Um, so let me bring my wall down to get to know. And we actually made a lot of really good friends in Chicago in the time that we were there, because I had to learn that about myself, that that was an insecurity that I was having, but he brought it out of me. Mm-hmm. I was like, I didn't think I was like this. I'm, I'm, I, I always thought of myself very friendly. I talked to everybody, but I was never the person that would make the first step. Mm-hmm. I noticed that about myself. I noticed that people would just come to me. So it was easy for me to just be bubbly, be funny. And like, oh, they'll like me. But I never went to them because maybe like one or two times I was rejected by someone and that like really hurt me. So what you said is, is, is true. You know, is that fear of 
of rejection is fear of, um, you know, not it going well, but guess what? If it doesn't go well, so what? Yeah, exactly. Move on. Yeah. It's not going to go bad every single time. Yeah. But you do have to make the first step big time. Mm -hmm. It's like, uh, yeah, you know, that, that's what that's what we teach It's not the fear doesn't go away. That's not what we're going to try to say here. Yeah, it's that you have what it takes to to, to, to manage that fear. You have what it takes to get rejected. I say get rejected 100 times. You will be the most confident person out there <laughs> or sure, because it'll be like, yeah, no problem. I got this. And you'll realize got, that yeah. you'll, you'll survive. You get rejected once it yeah. hurts. Then it hurts a bit less and it hurts a bit less and it hurts a bit less. But you get to know yourself. You get to realize, hey, this is just a thing that happens and it doesn't need to mean anything about who I am as a person. So um, let's then let's then finish up and talk about what are some ways you could overcome shiny object syndrome. Well, I think the first thing you have to do is to be able to identify it. Yeah. Um, if you notice a pattern of thought um, and, and I it's hard to see it as a, a pattern of behavior because sometimes the behavior is harder to see it. But if your thoughts are always, oh, squirrel, <laughs> you know, like, oh, look at that. Oh, look at that in any area. But I think the easiest way is to start in the apps. Yeah. You know, if you spend countless hours like swiping or just scrolling on Instagram, looking and just looking and looking, um, it's easy to fall into that trap. Don't get me wrong. Like I've been hours just like, and I'm like, why am I doing this? Hold on, stop. I could do, do something more productive. But um, I think being able to see that and, and see that that thought process of always being looking for something better, mm -hmm. that would be the first step. You have to identify it. Like, oh, shit, I'm doing this. You know, and I think an easy way to do it is going through the apps. You know, how many apps do you have that have just images as the main focus? Um, and it's hard today because a lot of with TikTok and they just keep coming up with more, right? Because it feeds that dopamine um, pleasure circuit. Um, and then people can be there for hours. So we have to first identify that that's the thing um, and then be able to stop it. But that's the hard part. It's yeah. easier to go from identifying to stopping it. Very, very hard. Um, obviously going to someone with, you know, a professional <laughs> would actually be helpful. Um, and I think one of the first things you got to do too is sometimes just take a break from it. Um, I think the, the dating apps, as fun as they are, and, and, and you do meet people there too. I'm not going to um, say that you're not going to meet anybody there. You know, there, I know friends that have met through um, dating apps and there's nothing wrong with them. And we're using them as an example, but it doesn't mean that they're like, yeah. you know, that's not the, the problem. Evil, the yeah. evil thing here. That's not the problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, go and see them and take a break from them. Um, I think another thing to do is what we just talked about is literally go up to a stranger at a bar and say, hi, What isn't it groundbreaking? <laughs> we don't do that anymore. No. How often do we do that? I think it's easier to, to stay behind the screen. Um, and, and that would be a good place to start in my opinion. Yeah. Everything you just said, I want to second it. And I actually use a challenge. Um, I have a challenge out there for anyone who is using a Tinder, Hinge, Bumble kind of app where you're collecting matches, okay? So I want you to, instead of next time you open up this app, do not swipe, stop swiping. Don't even go there. Go to the matches you already have and pick a maximum of three, maximum of three that you have connected with or that you think there might be a connection with or maybe... You know, it just kind of fills it up, but there's no real reason why. And then I want you to go through each of those and figure out if there really truly is a good reason for you to want to decline them. And if so, then do it. Don't ghost. <laughs> just say, hey, thanks for hey. the connection. You know, I'm not feeling it anymore. Good luck, right? Close the chapter on that. Give them that benefit and also give you that benefit energetically of it being gone. And then the match ends. But for the other people who maybe there is not a strong, solid reason why it ended or just kind of fizzled, but nothing happened, go back and message them again, uh, have, you know, face the fear of taking that initiative and then take the next step, whatever that may be. If it's saying, Hey, you know what? We had a good chat. Let's go for a walk. Let's meet up for a coffee, whatever that may be. Take that next step, even though it might be scary to do so, even though it might 
put you up for rejection, do that because your brain is going to want to continue going for the shiny object. Mm-hmm. That's not going to do anything. You're going to end up in the same pattern you were a year from now, and you're going to be contacting Dr. Hector or I to help you get out of it. But we're going to tell you now how to do it. So drop the urge to find more shiny objects and get to know that person. Mm-hmm. Let them get to know you. It's a lot harder to put yourself out there and take initiative and get to know someone uh, and then take things beyond that that deeper level of, hey, how's it going? What's up? What are you doing? Where do you live? Picks, top, bottom, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> okay. Uh, so that's that's my challenge. Go through and have those three maximum and then either say thank you, no thank you and actually say it or go to the next level. It It's action, right? It's not it's not falling back into the trap of let's collect more shiny objects. And then, yes, I want to second what Dr. Hector said about accountability and working with someone who you trust, who can help you such as Dr. Hector or myself, uh, a notice, notice these behaviors, these habits, these thought processes, thought processes, and then help you come up with ways to overcome them and strategies to cope with them. You know, a lot of the work that professionals do, I'm talking about all of us is that we are like mirrors. We kind of show people, their blind spots, maybe what they don't see, and then help you develop that awareness so that you can see it in your own life. So uh, to that effect, where can people find you, Dr. Hector? <laughs> it's funny because we're all like, get off of the apps. <laughs> I don't know if you can find me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> on Instagram, I mean, Facebook, but mostly I, I'm on Instagram, Dr. Hector 511. I actually tried to get Dr. Hector and it was taken and I was so upset. So I put my birthday 511 after that. Um, and then my website, drhector.com. Doctor actually spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R and then hector.com. Perfect. I'm going to put all this in the show notes as well. So uh, if you're listening and or watching, just head over to the notes and you can click on the links there directly to uh, Dr. Hector's Instagram and his website. Uh, Okay. So before I wrap up, is there anything else you wanted to add on this topic? No, I mean, I think we talked a lot about different things that I wanted. I was taking notes and and we like hit them all. Um, But I think one of the things, the only thing I want to say is, and I, you said it and it's to take action, Um, not just be, be you know stuck there and know that that's something that you're struggling with but actually do something about it um and you will see the 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 success in your life and and not just in the romantic side but also in your professional side and Mm -hmm. and then just with friends and family um it it will be huge life life changing for for people once you're able to identify it and and work on this yeah yeah what keeps people stuck is not taking action because they're afraid of the wrong action afraid of failure afraid of rejection there's some kind of fear and like i said once you can get over that fear and you can get rejected 100 times or fail 100 times the things that you will do with your life is groundbreaking like it really can exceed all of your expectations and i've seen that in my work as a professional like i worked in in corporate as a, a coach for professional young leaders and it's the same it's the same stuff right just these fears that keep us stuck but taking action one way or another, regardless of the result, will move you forward. Agree, a hundred percent. All right. So yes, uh, I want to thank you very much, Dr. Hector, for joining thank us you. today. Um, I'd love to have you back sometime. I'm sure we have no shortage of things we could talk about. So maybe this will not be your very first time uh, on the show. Well, thank you for having me, and it was um, it was awesome. Even planning uh, planning the the talk and the discussion, and actually sparked up more ideas in my head. So I am looking forward to doing more with you. Good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And everyone to our viewers and listeners out there, thank you for joining us on this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Have a good one, everyone.